0: Welcome to the Health Witch Podcast. I'm excited. We're still in season two. I've been interviewing incredible people who have so much health knowledge, and I'm excited to get to it. So I'm going to keep this introduction pretty short here. I haven't been as active on Facebook or Instagram, but I am active in many other ways working with clients, and I will be sending out a new newsletter. So right before Halloween, if you're interested in more news, a little bit of information, herbs, latest products, you name it, do subscribe at my website at healthwitch.org. And I'll be sending that newsletter out again early next week, right before Halloween. But I also want to make sure I'm covering some information about herbs. I know I have many different um, herbal listeners. So... One of the plants that came up today was coffee or coffee beans. Coffee beans in and of themselves do have a pretty strong medicine to them. But a little history on coffee. Coffee has, when we think about a particular herbal substance that's used... All the time, or a drink of choice, I think of coffee. I am an avid coffee drinker. In fact, I have to be careful, though, because I do have, even if I drink a little bit, I have a little bit of that anxiety going on, so I always look for decaf coffee, but even the decaf coffee um, does always contain a little bit of caffeine, and it does make a big difference where you do our The coffee you buy, I always look for Swiss water processed because much of the other decaf brands actually use particular chemical processes to extract that caffeine out or to dull down that caffeine. So um, I'm really loving, there's Pure Coffee, that's one of the brands that I've been really, um, that I enjoy. Another one is Bulletproof Coffee, that's another one I enjoy. Um, and, you know, there might be others out there, but you really do have to search for these Swiss water-processed decaf coffees if you're interested. But a little bit of history on coffee itself. So, yes, coffee has a huge presence, but it actually originated in the Ethiopian plateaus and by the 15th century becomes popular in the Arabian Peninsula. And from there, I, you know, I'd say probably the 17th century is where we see it really hit Western Europe Um, and then make it to the colonies in about the 18th century. But coffee has really been built upon slave economies and on the backs of slaves. So I think even when you go to buy or you purchase coffee now, always look for free trade. If you're paying only $5 for a bag of coffee, there's a good chance that somebody down the line got gypped. That somebody, especially the producers and women, um, are not getting fair wages, are mistreated. So I always advocate to know where your food is from, to have a connection to your food, even when it comes to your coffee and your coffee beans here. So... Coffee makes its way to Europe, popular 17th century. It actually won papal approval, which is a big thing for a particular drug, right? Something like caffeine and coffee. And believe it or not, for much of Western Europe, the breakfast drink of choice was actually wine or beer. So coffee replaces it in the 17th century. If for obvious reasons, you can imagine productivity goes way down if you're drinking beer or wine in the morning, you're not going to get much done throughout the day. So coffee was a stimulant. It kept people moving, talking. People were productive. So, and I think for, that's one of the reasons, you know, it's really this energizing particular substance, And then coffee makes its way to the New World, or New Amsterdam, which is later known as New York, by way of the Dutch. And the Dutch today are actually some of the world's biggest coffee drinkers. Um, The country that's the largest or the most popular of coffee drinkers actually happens to be Finland. Um, And then we have the Boston Tea Party that really kind of throws off that dynamic. Yes, the English love their teas. Um, But really, after the Boston Tea Party of 1773, Thomas Jefferson, quote, said, coffee is the favorite drink of the civilized world, end quote. So I do always, you know, I urge you to, again, look for fair trade, do some research into your coffee, just like everything you do. And I think, um, you know, it's just important to do that. So look for transparency within particular products here. So I also get the questions all the time. Well, how much coffee is too much coffee? And when we look, you know, I would say if you're if you're going into three hundred and seventy five up to four hundred milligrams of of caffeine, you you're you don't want to go over that. Especially if you look at the ill effects of over five hundred milligrams. And you're probably thinking, all right, well, what does that mean in terms of cups of coffee? So. Let's see, if the equivalent of three cups of coffee in average cup of coffee, your average roast, has about 375 milligrams, so try not to overdo three cups of coffee in the morning to really make sure you're not getting in the realm of the negative side effects here, something like the um, accelerated heart beats, the palpitations, um, the upset stomach from all the acidic um, qualities of coffee. Um, frequent urination, which is not necessarily a bad thing, because coffee is a diuretic, which does have some um, positive properties, of course. And believe it or not, you know there are other things too that actually, if so long as it's in moderation, it can help if you do have a headache. In fact, caffeine is actually an ingredient that's used for many of your say, like Tylenol-like medication. If you're going to pop one for Um, headache. And coffee itself, again, it doesn't have all these negative, hopefully you're drinking a clean coffee without all the sugar or the cream and drinking coffee as it is. And there are a lot of benefits, not only to easing that headache and minor pain relief, but again, it's an anti-diabetic. It helps prevent cancer in some regards, improves cognitive function. It reduces the risk of Parkinson's disease. Um, So, and trying to think if there's anything else. I do want to mention too, um, coffee bean in of itself. So if you are going to use the coffee bean or the raw berries, you can use it with an herbalism. Uh, in fact, the bean itself, not roasted, could actually be used for its calming properties. So if you're feeling really lots of anxiety, really irritability, especially from heightened emotions, this could be something that you do take. Um, But again, it's not every herb affects people the same or every drink or the way we metabolize particular substances. So do use with caution and do enjoy your cup of coffee. On to today's guest, Ivo Dominguez Jr., who is has been very active in the Wiccan and Pagan community since 1978, and he currently serves as one of the elders of the Assembly of the Sacred Wheel, part of a Wiccan tradition. So a form of Wicca um, that the Assembly practices is really drawn from or drawing from inspirations from astrology, the Kabbalah, Western magical traditions, and folk traditions of Europe. His techniques and insights are rooted in the synthesis of traditional metaphysical teachings, modern science, and memories from past lives. And he also happens to be part of the core group that started and manages the New Alexandrian Library Project. He is also the author of many different books here, uh, Keys to Perception, Practical Astrology for Witches and Pagans, Casting Sacred Space, um, another book, Spirit Speak, Knowing and Understanding Our Spirit Guides, Ancestors, Ghosts, Angels, and the Divine, and the list goes on. And I'm really looking forward to his upcoming book, The Four Elements of the Wise. He also happens to be a computer programmer, the executive director of an AIDS HIV service organization, a bookstore owner, and many other things. And we had talked about during this podcast, the importance of really supporting small business, especially those small bookstores. And I know in my time of quarantine, that I've been reading so many different books. And I did want to throw this link out there to you. If you're having trouble finding those small bookstores, you can check out IndieBound.org. That's I-N-D-E, I-N-D-I-E, Bound, B-O-U-N-D, dot org. And I hope you find that useful. So let's jump into today's interview. All right. Welcome, Evo Dominguez. So please, we'll start off the podcast. Please introduce yourself. How do you define yourself and do you consider yourself a witch?
1: I do consider myself a witch and have uh, since, I'm going to say it's, it's a long time, uh, since about 1975. Uh, I'm 62, so I've been at this a while. And I started as uh, many peoples seeking through every faith I could find, every kind of spirituality I could find. And what I found was that I was most at home outside in nature and most at home working directly with uh, energies and spirits and the powers around me uh, without an intermediary between me and them. So witchcraft was where I ended up. I did a lot of searching, not just in traditional uh, systems, but also in a lot of the spiritual, magical spiritual traditions as well. But I think what makes a witch, and there's a bazillion different definitions, and honestly, they're, they're all necessary because there's not one way to do this. Sure. But um, for me, the thing is a witch works directly with the powers of life and death, the physical world. Yes, that means reaching out because I think that our reality is bigger, but it starts with here and never forgetting that we were born on this plane for a reason. Yeah. So,
0: well said. Okay. So, I want to transition a little bit over to how you incorporate spirituality within your everyday practice and what does spirituality have to do with health? I think. You know, I've been working in health for so long that spirituality gets pushed to the wayside, right? We're so worried about our physical, our outer being. And then maybe mental health gets put in there. But very often, people just veer away from spirituality as if it doesn't matter. So what does it have to do with health in your point of view?
1: Quite a bit. Uh, Honestly, uh, what we hold as true inside and whatever version of divinity, higher self, goddess God, whatever we feel that we connect to, that shapes how we act in the world. It also is, I'm not just talking about things like food choices or whether or not you're allowing yourself to get enough sleep or rest or whatnot, but simply uh, like attracts like so that the energy that you hold within you moment to moment, day to day, tends to bring who you are. And you become outwardly, in your physical form, more and more of what you hold true inside. So if you are holding your spirituality and applying it uh, to as many things as you can over the course of the day, then you're likely to make better choices. And not just that, I mean, everybody knows that your body listens to your feelings and your thoughts and that you have thousand one reactions to that, but your body also listens to what's going on spiritually. And at some deep level, um, our cells contain that little imprint of this is the pattern of who you are. And that imprint was placed there by our spirit when we came into being. And our spirit is the thing that helps to remind us how to return to the pattern of who we should be. And honestly, I think a lot of spiritual healing, when people do spiritual he- healing or energetic healing, there's a lot of different ways to do it. But one of the core components is you are trying to wake up the spirit of that body to say, yep, I'm here and I know how to fix this. So I think that it's, it's really valuable um, in everyday life. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, when I, when I take a shower uh, in the morning, the first thing I do is I'm in the shower is I'm imagining the water uh, running through my aura and running through my energy and cleansing, not just my body, but carrying away anything that needs to be uh, carried away and also breathing in that beautiful, humid, lovely air in the shower and imagining that it's uh, bringing in whatever I need for the day. And even simple stuff like people always, I love tea, but I also love coffee. Um, I'm Cuban, so I grew up drinking lots of coffee, (laughs) intense coffee. But uh, people say, wow, the coffee, because when we have big events or before COVID, we had lots of rituals and people over in workshops and whatnot at the house. And they go, why is this coffee so delicious? And what brand are you using? And I open their fridge and pull out this, you know, it's it's pedestrian, it's like Folgers or or, or something like that. And I say, because before I put it in the machine, I hold the can and I imagine the beans growing outside and the sunlight hitting them Mm -hmm. and our mind of where they came from and they wake up and the food and the coffee tastes better. The same is true when you cook. A lot of kitchen witches, when you're stirring that wooden spoon, you are stirring magic into it. So it's a question of your spirituality informing everything you do. And by the way, I talk fast and I talk too much. So jump in. No, this to. is
0: great. This is great. Yeah. Keep going on. And this, this is probably my, right. I was gonna ask you some more about how you structure your everyday life. And I love he- hearing all these details because when we talk about spirituality, yeah. it seems so abstract to people. So going through those details right. yeah. and explaining to people how you incorporate is very
1: important. I'm gonna say that, I mean, I'm, I'm a, you can be a witch without belonging to anything. Um, you can you can be uh, a pagan without belonging to anything. I'm going to say, though, that my concept, it's also my religion, but my concept of a religion is not 3,000 lines of doctrine, all right? So my idea is that spirit is to religion as soul is to body. In other words... If what you do in the physical world, talking to other people, what you choose to do with your body, with your food, with your diet, if what you're doing in the world is informed and matches what your spirit is, that's acting in the world. Religion is about things that are visible and combine people together. So that if you are walking your talk, you're actually being religious because your spirit is making the the pattern for how you are in the world. So if you remind yourself that you know, don't don't throw away the word religion just because other people have used it badly. If you walk your talk, if you're making, if you're working with other people in the world and treating them as your spirit guides you, then you're you're expressing your religious path.
0: Yeah, I I, I love that perspective because I think again that makes it accessible to everybody. And I mean, people come have, they have different experiences, different, and you're right. I think religion in it itself, when people say religion, they're like, oh my gosh, it's completely off-putting to right. them. Right. Yeah. So I, I like that idea very much. But for our listeners who are a little bit unsure, can you explain the difference between what it means to be sure. pagan or witch or, you know, people hear these terms all the time. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit for
1: right? Me? And, and uh, so they're big placeholders. They're big, like big, giant categories. Mm-hmm. So saying which is about, narrows it down about as much as saying, uh, it, it's not quite accurate, but I'm going to say it's like saying Christian. There's like a bazillion different, we use the word traditions often instead of denominations or paths or whatnot. But so that, that's just like a big placeholder and Wiccans are a smaller category within the broad category of which, The word pagan, I have a friend, uh, Laura who, uh who is great with coming up with the, the right word for the moment. And uh, she, she calls it P words now because some people like to be called pagan, some people like to be called polytheist. Uh, there's just a whole proliferation of things. But really, I'm gonna say that there's as much diversity in the religions that are focused on direct connection with the energy and magic of the world as there are mainstream religions. The difference is that most of them are not as structured and not uh, don't own big giant buildings or own monopolies of, you know, uh, like, I don't know if you know this, but Marriott's owned by the Mormon church. I mean, there are tons of Yeah, the infrastructure in the world that's owned by big religion. Yeah. But a lot of the pagan pagan ones, a lot of the witchcraft ones, it's really small groups of people. And some people don't like the word pagan or witch, and they call themselves something completely different. And that's cool because self-identification is probably the most important thing. But one of the things that you'll often see people that use those words to self-identify, like witch or pagan or or wick, that's... Without trying, I can come up with like 30 identifiable, named separate uh, legions, traditions, systems, but people act in the world this way. They believe that they can, uh, they believe and do commune with the powers around them. Many of them work with the elements, many of them work with spirits, some of those spirits of the dead, some of those spirits of nature, some of those goddesses and gods, or beings that are B-gender, frankly. the biggest thing though is i uh, and uh i think it was starhawk who first said this uh miriam simos goes by starhawk as a writer and she said that it is a religion of poetry rather than a religion of law mm. you look at what's around you or you look at and, and you interpret it you bring your own meaning and apply it to what's present so another distinction is people will often say that uh you know their their religion has a sacred book. I'm going to say that we that we don't. We have tons of books and tons of writings and tons of stories that we think are valuable. But there's one that we point to: all the secrets are there, all the guidance we need is there. It requires a lot of personal accountability if you're going to do it well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's part of that too. Is people call witchcraft a craft. It's a craft that you have to meld, make it your own, yeah. make it make sense yeah. to you. And it's something you have to do all the time because it's yes. you know, it's something you have to work at. People think you wake up and you're a witch, but it's something that's very conscious. You have to do it. It's part of the craft. It's, it's an active. It's not something yeah. you're on the sidelines looking in. It's something you're very mm-hmm. active and in, in it. Um, Yeah. And I love the way you mentioned it's more of a poetry than it is a law. And I think that that's perfectly put. And I think that's the intersection, too, between art and witchcraft and really crafting beauty around you. And I think that's that's huge. Um, So I did want to go into you have an upcoming book, which I'm very excited about called the four <laughs> elements of the wise. So can you give us a snapshot of what your new book is going to, um, encapsulate?
1: Sure. I mean, I though, will though say to you that honestly, I've, I've written a couple of books and in my mind, they're all one book. They're just like the next big chapter. <laughs> um, because in my head, these things all interrelate together and it's often hard to see. four elements are something that are integral to many systems of magic and witchcraft and they don't get the respect that they need because it's almost like oh here memorize uh, these qualities about four elements uh, you can use them the following ways and move on and it's kind of like they are building blocks of the universe um everything is made out of the elements now people that have a more scientific bent are going to go well blah 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 uh, that's not so and you know in a sense, they're right, and in a deeper way, not so much. If I were to grab a, a prism and throw a beam of light through it, and we have a room in front of it, it's not useful. It's beautiful, but if we want to say, "Hey, look at that! That's the that's the blue green right there that I really love," or "That's the that shade of orange. That's the one that uh, we need to uh, paint the room or whatever." Until you have the words to break up that solid continuum from, from uh, ultraviolet to, to uh, deepest red, until you create the words, you can't summon the color and you can't communicate it to other. The four mm-hmm. elements are like color names for basic properties of essence and form and matter in the universe. So we're made out of the elements, they're being composed just of the elements elementals there are divinities that have a particular connection to the elements there are psychological attributes to them they've been applied to the four humors and health systems Um, if you look up anything in herbalism often you're going to find how different materials are associated with you know this is an herb of water and venus or etc etc so also knowledge of how the elements work together is a way to understand how to make use of the materials in the physical world. And also, I'm gonna talk about the elements as you are made out of the elements, so like calls to like. This book is theory, it's practices, it's rituals, suggestions, it's how to nature with the elements. It's a it's a lot of stuff. But I, I start with the like calls to like the elementals, the elements and the elementals that live within you. Or how you get the attention of the forces of fire and water and earth and air outside of you. By awakening them within, you get the attention of the ones that are without. And through that kinship, you create a connection and and ask for their help or cause that power to flow. Or discover where there are imbalances uh, in in your elemental mix. Mm. By the way, equal balance of everything is not right for every individual. We're all set up differently. So it's a question of reasserting your balance, not some artificial idea of what balance looks like. But it, I mean, it's, it's a soup to nuts kind of book. Um, and I was asked uh, by several friends, please get around to writing this one. Uh, we want to be able to have something that goes from really, really stuff that uh, a, a newbie would understand to layers further on in the book where you go, yeah, it's going to take a while before that fully sinks in. I mean i could blather but i better stop
0: no that's great and i just it and that's why i asked you to be on the podcast because i saw the intersection between health and all these different elements and i'm like oh my gosh yeah. that book is going to be fantastic um but i think yeah. about ayurvedic medicine and the doshas and you know i think people can conceptualize that a little bit easier but i think for people who are not or more inclined for the witchcraft community that's a great book to really conceptualize you know our you know whatever word you want to use outside of dosha but it's i think it's just a, a great source
1: well and indeed almost every culture that develops a, a system of uh, spiritual energetic healing or does ritual of one kind or other comes up with its own equivalent of the elements as a way of naming things because you have to name things to be able to grapple with them and work with them sure Sure. So I will point out something real quick because people get confused between the uh, five Chinese elements and uh, the four elements plus uh, spirit or ether that show up in Western stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The quick the, and, and they both work in very different ways. And the quick thing I'm going to say as a, as a starting point is that the, the four elements of the wise plus the fifth one of spirit or ether, which I'm going to maybe talk about that as well, are states of being. They are Containers for qualities. They are sources of qualities, but they remain forever themselves Whereas the five elements in the Chinese system are states of transition Because they are always moving and shifting and becoming the other and reacting to the other mm-hmm. So that it, in a funny kind of way, uh, the, the the four elements uh, in the Western way are really uh more static or more receptors and the Chinese elements are much more active, but they are an attempt to describe how things come into being and how they change. Just a different They're just coming from very different angles.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So, By the way, I'm a pitta pitta.
0: No, go ahead. Sorry,
1: I missed that. By the way, I'm a pitta pitta oh. in terms of the... Uh, <laughs> I'm a pitta as well, so... <laughs>
0: I gotta be careful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you mentioned, you know, peas defining people as the peas. Um, you also have some works on psychic, developing psychic ability, um, or at least, can you talk yeah, do. a little bit more about what it means to be psychic? And I know not all witches call themselves psychic, and not all psychics call themselves witches. And I, I know, you know, there's different definitions there, or how people choose to identify, but. I want right. to talk to psychic ability and how we could, how people could use it, or maybe we'll start by defining it. How do you define it to be psychic?
1: And uh, I'm going to break it into two big categories. Uh, so that first, people have probably heard words like clairvoyant or clairsentient or clairaudience, you know, the capacity to hear or see or just sense or know, et cetera. And they are, all those that start with clair, which is, means light, the person is aware of the information as it's being sensed. In a lot of ways it resembles our physical senses, but it's, it's being processed differently. Then there are things that uh, I call the noirs, the darks. For example, when if somebody is using a pendulum to, to divine something, they're not in control of the motion. If somebody's doing automatic writing or automatic painting, they're not in control of emotion. If they are doing trance work and speaking, they're not in control of, of what's coming and they don't know what's coming out of their mouth until it happens. Here's the, those are like the two big categories of psychic perception. Those that you are not aware until you see it in front of you and those that you experience as if they were a different set of senses. The thing with psychism is I think every single living being If it has any level of self-awareness which covers a lot of the critters on the planet not just us Mm -hmm. um, they are constantly receiving information from multiple senses that are not physical here's the thing Um, whether or not it rises to the level of our waking, normal waking consciousness, the person who's talking right now and you listening to these words we tend to learn how to block that out now, a lot of times people do the, well, the culture doesn't want you to do this, blah, blah, blah. Kids are taught not to believe in their imaginary friends or not to see things, etc. Or you're told, oh, it's evil if you're seeing or hearing, blah, blah, blah. That's true, but there's another big one. Uh, you have to be oriented enough to the physical world to be safe. Walking down the street, uh, taking public transportation or driving if you have a car, you end up having to be focused on your physical surrounding just for the sake of safety. The problem is that it that becomes a habit and it becomes really easy to when at the back of your head or tapping on your shoulder from deep down inside you something's trying to show you something or make you hear something well you, you kind of like tamp it down because I got to pay attention I'm doing stuff. So we develop a habit of tuning out anything that is deep down. Which is why sometimes people have uh, profound psychic or magical experiences or spiritual experiences when they're extremely tired or when they're extremely overwrought or when they've intentionally done things, uh, dancing, drumming, chanting, uh, meeting thing to kind of let go of that over-controlling uh, normal waking consciousness to allow that stuff to arise. Mm -hmm. The thing is that everything that we experience as psychism is filtered, processed, and has to be translated into images or words that this part of us can understand. And that's not the biggest part of us. We are much bigger than our, our normal waking consciousness. So everyone is psychic, everyone picks up the broader universe, but how much gets through is going to be about their temperament, their psychology, their life experience. And to some degree, how safe they feel to let control. Because the other thing is, you're told you're crazy if you see things or hear things in this culture. Mm-hmm. Man, that's gonna that's gonna kinda clamp it down. Yeah. So yeah, everyone is psychic.
0: Yeah. So okay, and I was thinking about this too. How might we use psychic ability to really work through something like anxiety or depression? I you know, a lot of people are you know, just the current time we're living in, the midst of this yeah. pandemic, how might we use psychic exercises or really hone in our, our abilities to just, again, take care of our, yeah.
1: our overall health? Sure. And and a uh, couple couple of ideas. And I'm going to suggest also that uh, picking empathy is also part of a mix, picking up on people's feelings as well. So as a, for example, I have a friend, you probably do, who uh, is always doing the they barely tolerate me. They hate me. They're not really my friend. They're being me, but they don't like me kind of some kind of weird thing going on in their head. It's like, if you were to open up your psychic senses, you would feel how I feel about you. Mm. And you'd find that isn't your fear. So, but, but, so part of it is if we were more open, now sometimes we might get our feelings hurt or just, or, you know, or we might get warned off, that's not a good person for me. So that if you believed that you had the capacity to, Open up, and that that and additional information would allay your fears, or or give you a reason to make a different choice. That would make a difference. Also, not feeling as alone. Honestly, uh, especially in this time period, because as you might have gathered, I'm one of those extreme extrovert kind of people, and uh, they you know, but I'm being really cautious uh, during this time period, which means I'm not getting contact with the world in the way that I like but it doesn't stop me from when I am talking to somebody on the phone or on a zoom call that's a friend or even I'm just thinking about them distance is not a real thing if you're talking about energetic or spiritual connection Hmm. if you so that rather than in the past it's like oh I I don't have to do this because I'm going to see them next week now if I get the opportunity to talk to somebody I care about or who's a friend, or we can, or even if it's not a deep relationship, just we're going to laugh over the stuff on the phone or whatever. I reach out and try to feel their energy as best as I can, and I encourage them to do the same if they're, you know, a pagan, a witch, or a spiritual person, because it changes the way the whole conversation feels. Yeah. So, yeah, those two things alone make a big difference. Or, or, or just listening to the little guidances is like a. I, should I go to the store today, or um, what do I think about this? I'm reading this email. Does this sound like something I want to follow up on, or not? You listen to your guidance, and if you begin, to, it also changes your relationship with your own inner dialogue, because if you begin to trust yourself, that automatically begins to change uh, how you feel about yourself and how you feel about the world that you have the capacity to to know and do.
0: Mm-hmm. yes, okay so, and I you know, I think about crafting psychic psychic ability, honing in on our talents. how might we create a space that works for us? You know, people think, oh my gosh, I don't want to get into meditation because it's too hard, I don't have the right space or right. the right tools, so how might somebody just decide they're going to get into this
1: all right, so um. Have you uh, ever listened to a guided visualization or some people use the term pathworking? Mm. Yes. Probably a lot of people have at some point, right? And this is something you can do, even trapped as we are in our in our homes. And so I, I'm going to be. I'll up. I live in the middle of the country, in the middle of nowhere. So I actually can go stand outside and go, yay, and, and not worry. About it. So and I'm really grateful for that. I mean, it's. I'm sad that I'm far away from people in in some ways, but it's good in other ways. However, I can walk around in the biggest room in, in my house, and I can in my mind play the image of a of a path working or guided visualization or and i can imagine feeling you know a forest spring up around me or uh, so create do uh, kind of like augmented reality with your mind so in the same way that people have the fancy goggles and whatnot so you can walk around the world and you can see the uh, yelp rating of the restaurants as you're walking by or (laughs) doing that kind of uh, Additional reality technologically, you can do the same thing in your space. And if you don't have all the things that you want, maybe you do, maybe you don't have all the things you want to make it feel like it's like your place of power and magic and sanctuary. Well, if if you don't like uh, if, if if in your best world the altar in front of you uh, has a, a little stone pool that looks down into the world worlds and the, and the moon is directly above it and you're surrounded by the forest, create. The space around you in your mind and hold it as you are working with a small bowl of water that you brought from the kitchen mm-hmm. apply apply the magic to the place you're in because if you call forth those things it is true when we visualize when we hold it in our mind uh, our body has a really hard time distinguishing between it's like almost like a 80 90 percent similarity this is from science of the brain waves the the active uh, areas of, of the mind when we're visualizing stuff it's almost the same as being there the other thing that happens is when we make things with our hands or touch things yes i'm talking about doing stuff your head but when you craft when you actually do stuff with your hands You are talking to your body. You're talking to your lower self, your animal self, your elemental self, your primal self. You're also talking to your higher self in a different way so that all parts of you get in on the action. And there's a dialogue between, you sometimes you're going to end up doing things that I didn't think about that. My hands just did it. Hmm. It is a way of becoming integrated and expression of, of, uh, of gratitude as you're, is if, if you're working with herbs, uh, you know, waking them up and blowing energy into them and seeing them connect to the spirit of that plant of, you know, all rose petals everywhere or all, you know, blank for whatever it is. So it is something that you can bring to your space, but you are not limited to just what you physically have. A number of years ago, uh, we were with friends and somebody got poison ivy. I didn't have any herbs or anything with me, uh, so and we didn't have anything. We were in the middle of nowhere camping, and I looked around. I couldn't find any of the right herbs. But what we did was we got a barrel of water, a little water, added a little bit of salt. We all held it and imagined. Uh, the the various herbs that we would add if we had them and imagine their smell and imagine their energy. And, you know, water remembers, water holds onto things. And then we wash the person's uh, poison ivy with. And it's like, I'm going to say, I mean, it, it wasn't like, it's a miracle, it's gone, but it got better. Just because we remembered our connection to those materials and brought them to the place where we were.
0: Oh, that's great. I love that. And I think, yeah, that just with that point in mind, it makes it very accessible. And that's what I'm always urging, you know, anybody who's willing to listen to me and, you know, work with me or through classes, it's, you don't need to have all these things. It really is this, and I love the way you put it, the integration, you know, working with what you have. And I think it does not have to be expensive. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. So I know you've already covered so many great points, but if there's anything that we could potentially learn from these larger spiritual beliefs, witchcraft, pagan, whatever you think, psychic, are there any other health tidbits that you would offer to, or would like to mention?
1: Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll tell a story, a real story. So uh, my, uh, my other sister, who's uh, not a witch, but uh, works with energies and is a spiritual person and whatnot. And there's a gruesome moment, so I'll give you the warning when, when people need to be aware, there's a gruesome moment. So she lives in Vermont and lives in a beautiful farm and blah, blah, blah. And she was, you know, splitting her firewood for the winter, and she was in a rush, and she didn't move her, her thumb out of the way fast enough. Aww. So the machine went, and took off a chunk of her thumb. And she's very cool and calm. She picks it up goes in the house, throws in a glass of milk, starts calling up all her friends to send her healing energy and uh, calls me and says, Hey, it's taking a while. I can't find any doctor around here willing to try to reattach it because it's it's not worth it. It's not going to work anyway, blah, 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 blah. So, so uh, I said, go back outside if you can. I want you to put you know, the machine's turned off. I want you to put your hand on the uh, splitting machine and say, I'm not afraid of you, and uh, it was neither of our fault. And then I want you to get, uh, if you can, kick over a stone. If not, get somebody to help you. She has a husband and kids. Mm -hmm. And find a salamander. She found one in the wood pile. And I said, sit with a salamander and say, I want to to borrow the power of regeneration. Hmm. And if you remember, as human beings, as we're developing in the womb, we go through all the different stages of evolution that've been through before. That little embryo fetus looks like every kind of critter that's been before us. So she asked, "Can I borrow this power?" Uh, uh, and uh, and she felt like the exchange was made. Guess what? She got somebody to reattach it. <clears throat> it didn't fall off, and uh, it has a thumbnail. Um, works. Uh, slightly shorter than it was before but the point is that's an example of magic now that's a pretty dramatic one but uh like uh, i grew up in florida and my skin in florida don't work really well together um all my relatives by the way are if they think about sunlight they turn dark brown (laughs) i'm the palest of the bunch so, you know, but kids, I love being outside, I said, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had, I had uh, a mole right here that went bad and had to be removed years ago. And I had a couple of friends, oh no, 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 no. Um, and you know what, I said, I'm gonna talk to my skin. I'm going to shrink myself down to the the level where, you know, if, if you've done grounding and center meditation, where you focus all yourself in one place and find your center. Well, I moved the center to where the wound was, where the mole had been removed. I have a slightly pale spot of skin. That's it. Mm. And they, they had, and they had dug really deep. It almost came through on the other side of the lip kind of thing. And it healed much better than they anticipated. When I was a kid, I had serious asthma. I would turn blue, end up in the emergency room all the time. I had maybe an asthma attack a year every other year and it's usually after i do something stupid like uh hanging drywall and sanding and painting and you know (laughs) exposing myself to all sorts of crap and it's because i breathe energy into my lungs and down into my diaphragm every day so there is no reason why every single thing that you can do any is it oh it's just a minor boo-boo put some energy on it Imagine the work. Um, Oh, this is really inflamed and swollen. Okay, I'm gonna imagine that uh, there's this cool, blue, watery energy swirling around it until the the swelling return goes down. Oh, this area needs more life. I'm gonna imagine a peachy red uh, around it so that the blood flow increases and and, and ask for the fire to return to that place if it's gotten cold. Mm. Ask yourself in every situation, I'm a magical being. I'm going to use magic and it becomes a habit after a while. And you find a use for pretty much everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I would like to conclude this by, can you tell listeners where to find you again, your latest book is coming out, maybe where they can find the book when it's coming out and just anything about
1: yourself. So I guess the easiest thing to do is uh, look me up on my website, uh, evodomingusjr.com. pretty straightforward. Uh, I'm also on Facebook as an individual and as, have an author page. Uh, the books, My books are coming uh, through Wiser, Red Wheel Wiser, which means that they'll show up anywhere where books are. I mean, they'll be in the bookstores, they'll be online. I always, whenever possible, I recommend to people, please buy from independent booksellers first. Um, keep alive those uh, resources. I know not everybody lives in places where there are any, but if you have them, please try to use IndieBound or, or your local shop. Um, yeah, and I've been teaching classes online of late because of this COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, what else to say. I mean, uh, look me up online. I'm, I'm, I'm very easy to find. Uh, and once this is all over, I'll go back to my normal behavior, which is Going from event to event to event and, and traveling a lot, which is my normal Yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for this. I it was an absolute pleasure. So thank you. thank you very much. So this concludes today's episode. And I if you have any questions or just want to reach out to me, I am very much accessible. So you can always reach me at info at healthwitch org. I also have my Instagram um, at health underscore witch underscore. Also, I do have a page on Facebook, which is just simply Health Witch. Though, do you know, I haven't been as active as I had mentioned previously to all of you, but I, I do answer questions, and I look forward to any feedback that you do have. So, everyone, be well, enjoy Samhain coming up, enjoy Halloween. I am looking forward to all the festivities, even if they are more, I guess, to myself this year, being in the state that we're still living in part of this pandemic. But anyone, everyone, be well, stay safe.